Welcome to Dub and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ustrak. I'm here with J.L. Hill, or James. Welcome. Thank you. Now, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad to have you. We have a little bit of difficulty sometimes getting started, but we're on a roll today. Now, you're with Rock Hill Publishing, and you have two wonderful books out. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Uh, you're talking about the Killer series. Yes, and I have uh, a four-part series. The first two books are out, Killer with a Heart and Killer with Three Heads. Mm -hmm. So the story starts with Killer with a Heart, and it's a story of gangs and mobs in New York. It takes place in the New York City uh, during the 70s. Okay. And Morris Mojo Johnson, who later become known as Bulletproof, Morris Mojo Johnson, <laughs> he's a he's a gang leader out of the South Bronx, and he meets up with Nikki Nails Roxy, who is the son of a mafia capo. And Nikki's idea is that he will one day become a mafia man. He wants to become a made man, and so they they two join up together with some other people uh, with Nikki gang because mm -hmm. Mojo just moved into the neighborhood. Of and Nikki always had the great plans, great in his mind anyway. And he sees that people are dropping money off, a money drop from another mafia family in his neighborhood. And he decides they should rob the money drop. I can see how that could get really bad really quickly. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and so doing that sparks a mob war between mm -hmm. uh, the two mob families and of course no one really knows Morris as he kind of knew to the neighborhood and really don't know his history of uh, what it's like being out of the South Bronx out of the ganglands gang territories of the South Bronx by this time the mob has all become business-like you know and uh, in the 70s there was a little bit of a difference between being in the mob and being in a gang in yeah. that if you was in a mob it was more of a business they didn't take uh kids in. they didn't take anybody in who wasn't 18 which is why we used to call them junior mafias mm -hmm. uh you know all the teenagers and stuff who fathers and uncles were in the mob and they were just waiting for their chance to get in and in the gangs they would take you in as kids you know 12 years old 10 years old and the reason why the mob wouldn't do it because you couldn't be tried and you couldn't be, um, you, could, you couldn't be tried as a kid. Yeah. And that's exactly why the gangs took you in as a kid because they couldn't try you as a kid. You wouldn't be tried as an adult. They have since changed that law, as you probably know. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, kids as young as 13, 14, 15 years old are being tried as adults for yeah. the crimes that they commit. Um, yeah. So, long story short, or long story longer, they <laughs> robbed this money. They robbed this money drop, and they sparked this war uh, among the mob families. And that's what book one is all about. They have girlfriends. They have things that happen, and in the course of things that happen, uh, no one really understands the dynamics between Mojo and Nikki. Uh, it has to be something above uh, an interracial 
type of story. Okay. Because well, that kind of works yeah. with what's going on right now. So. Yeah. Uh, that most definitely, because even back in the seventies, there was like a easing of racial tensions in New York anyway. Mm -hmm. But we had the idea was that everybody always talks about New York as being a big melting pot. And it's okay that it's a big melting pot as long as no one goes and stirs the pot. Right. So, you don't want to over tip it or put too much whatever yeah. in there. So you melt in your side of the pot and I melt in my side of the pot and everybody gets along as long as they stay in their own neighborhoods. And as the neighborhoods start to mix and people start to mix around, that you start to have conflicts and things like that. And so mm -hmm. they, so as it being a melting pot, it really wasn't so much that people got along because we have neighborhoods where it was all Italian neighbors. Everybody in the neighborhood was Italian or Irish yes. or Spanish yes. or black. Yes. So, I, yeah. I mean, you read anything from 1920 through the 80s. You have your communities. As long as you're in those communities, you're good. Yes. I That's grew your... up in no communities. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you had to have a game to cross the streets in some places where your neighborhood ended and the next neighborhood began. Yeah. You didn't cross into that neighborhood unless you was uh, accompanied. <laughs> by by your friends yeah right you have to be have a reason to be in that neighborhood even if that neighborhood starts on the other side of the street yes and in some cases i was started half the block uh when i was growing up in the south bronx uh we had one half of the block that was spanish and one half of the block that was black <sighs> <laughs> so i was literally started it was this half was one side that half was the other side and it was so quite that, fun, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun growing up. Not really, <laughs> but <laughs> it makes for great stories now, right? Yep, and it was fun because you learn a lot about different cultures too. Like, you know, the black people are down there shooting craps outside the building along the wall, mm -hmm. and, the, and the Spanish people 10 feet away are sitting there playing dominoes. And everybody's gambling and drinking. <laughs> it's just... It's just You're a different mixing. thing. Yeah, it's just a different thing. These people are uh, drinking and gambling over dice. These guys are drinking and gambling over dominoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. You're gambling, you're gambling. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's crabs or dominoes or poker. You're gambling. Yeah. <laughs> Let's find a so, common core, right? Yep. And then we get to book two, which takes place. It's called Killer with Three Heads. And I see you chuckled a little bit about that. Uh, it's it's a strange title, I know. It makes you think of a horror horror story or something. Yeah, it sounded like more of a fantasy than a mob boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, the story is that the three heads are the head of the family, the head of uh, the business, and the head of the government. Okay, that makes sense now. Yeah. So it's their rise, Nikki and and Morris's rise to international criminals. So in the yeah. So in the first book, they're just teenagers mm -hmm. coming out of high school. Now it's 10 years later, and they have become international criminals. Oh, and wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you, then you have two more books coming out in the series, correct? Yes, yes. So I actually they... wrote the two books. 
Okay. But they're in they're in the process of being edited and rewritten and all that kind of good stuff. Oh yes, that takes away from everything. It takes so long to edit, then rewrite, then re-edit. <laughs> oh yeah. So. Uh, but so they'll be coming out soon. The next two books are the third book is Killer with Black Blood. Okay. And then we have Killer with Ice Eyes. Wow, very intriguing. Uh-huh. So other than the mob books that you're writing, or are you working on anything else in the process where these are being edited? Yes, I actually have a fantasy series. The first book is The Emerald Lady. And let's see if I can kill my backdrop here for a second. Let's see. We'll turn that off and do none. Okay, and there goes a picture of the Emerald Lady. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so that's the Emerald Lady behind me. And that's a fantasy about pirates and mermaids in the 18th century. Hmm. And it's the first book in the series called the Gemstone series. Now, how many are you planning in that series? Well, this is a short one. This only had three three stories in oh. it. Uh, but it's time jumps. Ah, we love our time jumps. <laughs> yes, it, it's a time jump because the mermaids live for a thousand years. Okay. And they are involved in the history of, of men. And we also have dragons in it who are eternal. Hmm. So we have dragons. Well, we who be, do love who, our dragons. Oh, yes. You can't have a good fantasy without a dragon. I know, right? <laughs> I'm a fantasy author. I cannot write a book without a dragon in it. It yeah. just does not happen. <laughs> and originally, there were no dragons in this story. I got about halfway through the story, and in pops a dragon. <laughs> Isn't that fun when a character goes, I'm here. What are you uh -huh. going to do with me? <laughs> and it's like, you know what you really need in this story to make it just come alive? You need me. You need yep. Ikathero, the dragon, the last dragon. Yes. And, and it, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we as authors, we joke about this. We start writing a story, and by the time we get about halfway through, we have characters coming at us that we didn't plan. Oh, yes, all the time, all the time. I, I plot out all my stories. So I plot out the, the flow of the story of where it's going, and I plot out some of my characters, the main characters. But then other characters always show up when you least expect them, without warning. And sometimes they kind of take over the story and they wind up being... More of a character a, a, than yeah. what you had planned on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, you know what you need? You need a second book to tell my story because I am important. <laughs> I know. We started, my fantasy series started off as a standalone book. Well, by the time I got through it, there's so many plot holes. I'm like, oh, okay. So I need a prequel to fill in the plot holes. <laughs> okay. Well, now I have the prequel. Now I need a book that binds the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why there's only three in the Gemstone series, because they're going to be a prequel to the, to the story. And it's about Jeremy and Shira. Shira being the mermaid, Jeremy being a sailor. Mm -hmm. And Sh Shira saved Jeremy from a shipwreck. 
his his ship is going down in a hurricane, mm-hmm. and the and men fall in love with mermaids by first sight. Mermaids don't necessarily fall in love with men. Right. So, so, but yeah. she falls in love with Jeremy because Jeremy has a good heart, and she asks her mom, the queen of the mermaids, to send help to ferry Jeremy back to shore, and. The mother says, absolutely not. He went to sea. His fate is with the sea. Let him drown. Mm-hmm. But she has saved him. She brought him to a sunken ship and put him inside the sunken ship in the air pocket. Okay. And so she decided she was going to, if the mom was going to help her bring him back, because it was too far for her to swim all the way back with him in tow. Mm-hmm. So she decided she was going to save him. And she tried to save him. And she causes this tragedy to happen. And be- <sighs> Because of the tragedy that she caused, well, at least it's what the queen tells everybody. She's going to punish them. Mm-hmm. And the punishment is that Shira can no longer change into her mermaid form. She must stay in human form. But she can't leave the water. And Jeremy happily tells the mom, that's fine. I'll make sure that she doesn't want for anything. I'll make sure I'll be by her side every day. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that mermaids live for a thousand years. Yeah, and that's going to be really hard for every day when you only live lifespan 1850 years. Yeah, but see, that's the trick of it all. The mom says, fine, but as long as she is alive, you can't die. And then she sets out to torture Jeremy. She tortured Jeremy because they are simpatico they feel each other's pain and thoughts and everything okay so she does little things like have him hung as a pirate okay uh, other type of other type of goodies like that but because he can't die yeah he can feel the pain of being hung but he doesn't die from that mm-hmm. so they so they hang him and bury him and you know they have to dig him up <laughs> and things like that and so the other mermaid thought that the that the punishment was much too steep and much too hard. And yeah. therefore, it causes this split. And then there's a mermaid war going on at the same time with the American Revolution. Oh, how so wonderful. We find, so we have yeah. two wars going on at the same time. We have. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they intermix into the, into the revolutionary war because then you find out that the queen has been interfering in human history and men's history for centuries that she'd been guiding and doing things within the history and controlling people and things like that because she really hates men or people okay i can see where this is going (laughs) it's going to be a very interesting very intricate fantasy but at the same time really cool because it's mermaids and dragons and war and it's and then we, time, yeah. then we time jump, jump backwards in time to find out why the mermaids are at war with the dragons or why everybody actually is at war with the dragons. So we time jump back to the Dark Ages, to the 1000s, <sighs> like that. Yeah. And you learn about uh, Rahima, who is the mother of the queen at that time, mm-hmm. uh, through Shira's daughter. She... They have mental powers, mental link, and they can, and that's how they pass on their histories. Okay. So they can feel each other's thoughts, and Rahima 
allows her to live her life through her. She goes, she joins with her mentally and her daughter winds up living her life. Isabella winds up living through Rahima's entire life. Oh, how wonderful. And, and she meets Rahima's mother. And and she lives. She lives. I need, I need a dream. Okay. Do you have <laughs> a graph in your books that goes? Okay. Here's a family tree of how everyone is related. Because if not, I'm gonna get so confused. <laughs> <laughs> you'll 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 catch on. I have a little I have a little trick that people hated. Some people hated. Some people got the idea. Was that as people as the mermaids are born, mm -hmm. but there's only female mermaids. We don't have any mermen. There's right. only female mermaids, and they spawn. They okay. don't actually uh, join. If they if they mate with men, then they're supposed to not be able to have any more mermaids. They have human children. Okay. But uh, but the but the little thing that I came up with was that their names are the what joins them. So you have Shahira, you have Sahira, Shira, uh, like that would be one. You have Rahima, uh, oh, what's the other woman's name? What's her sister's name? Anyway, so everybody has a name that they're, if they're related, they're mm -hmm. born from the same person, their names will all be started with the same letter. Okay. So. I still need a family tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll need a family tree. Maybe I'll send you one. <laughs> okay, that sounds excellent. Or put it on your website or you know, Facebook page or something. Uh -huh. Because I can tell you, I have characters in my books that if I didn't have a family tree, I'd get confused myself. <laughs> I, I do have a family tree. I did have to write them down to say who was whose sister and who was whose mother and things like that. So in the second book, which is called uh, The Ruby Cradle, okay, um, we have Abigail, who is... Uh, uh, oh crap! I can't remember the girl's name now. I can't, that happens to me. I can't remember some of the characters' names because I have a whole bunch of them. So Abigail is is uh, Rahim is uh, which would be her niece. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Aberish, that's her mother's name. Oh. Aberish is Abigail's mother, and Rahima is the younger daughter to Rahima's mother and so, so you're getting she had yourself the confused. Yeah. So we go through the age and then all of a sudden there's Rahima. And you find out why Rahima's name isn't an A like her older sisters. Okay. Like her other sisters because there's a reason why it splits. Okay. Yeah. That, so it's very intricate. It sounds very interesting because it's fun. I mean, I, I'm a fantasy author, so I love my fantasy books, but I love the mermaids. I love different takes and mermaids in the world. I mean, we had the little mermaid that was wrote eons ago that Disney now Disney-fied and everything. Yes. <laughs> you read different versions of different types of mermaids and stuff. It's really creative. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love mermaids. I keep telling everybody that I used to be a pirate in my formal life of course so, i mean know. we write right about what we know right yep 
So you had to be a pirate somewhere to learn about your mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be surprised how many people I met who have told me they are mermaids or have been mermaids at one point in time and things like that. So, I, have, I have a cousin that jokes around that she identifies herself as a mermaid. So the one day I was like, okay, if she gets to be a mermaid, I'm a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a little family joke, but at the same time, it's fun. You can get into that persona if you want to. Yes. Yes. And I find quite a few people who I come up and uh, into the magic, into the healings, into the different spells and different magic and different properties of like um, um, stone and and gemstones and things like that. That's why it's called the gemstone series because the mermaids use the different gemstones as part of their powers. So right and yeah. Well, you're crossing a little bit into the witchcraft too. You can get the fairies going with the gemstones. Uh huh. Well. Funny that you say that because the second book, uh, the mermaids are known as witches <laughs> because they, you know, they're, they're shapeshifters. They can change into different, uh, they actually can change into different animals, not just from uh, their natural state, which is mermaids, into human form. You find out in book two that they can actually take on different forms. And so they're, in the Middle Ages, they're known as witches. It's okay. not until the 17th, 18th centuries that they become known as mermaids again, or they're, they're realized mermaids. There's a whole mythology behind, my, behind that story. Uh, of course, there <laughs> can't be just a simple equation of how this works, you know. It oh, has no. to have a whole prophecy, a whole long explanation, because otherwise, what good is a book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... It's, it's very interesting. I will say that. I will have to say that. It's a very interesting story. And it's going to be a third book, which will kick you to modern times or okay. into the current world, which is called the uh, Diamond, the Diamond Princess? No. The Diamond Warrior. Yeah. So we go. So when we get back to uh, Bella's time, mm -hmm. when she comes out of this trance and living in the past world to find out how to defeat the dragons. Mm -hmm. uh, we come back to the modern time and we are now entering into World War One. Okay. And so that will take three us- Three wars, right? Or yeah. Wars, it's just two wars. No, actually it's like three wars. It's the American Revolution. And then the second book starts with, um, uh, what what is that war? Um, to Crimean War. Okay. So so Aberish and Abigail are in the Crimean War okay. because so, all the dragons have been released back into the world. In book one, you find out that the dragons have been captured and everything, and they released oh, wonderful. them. Wonderful. So now yeah. we have the dragons to go into World War One. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> I mean, Did I tell you I had a bit of a dark streak in me? <laughs> it sounds like it. I, I mean, seriously, we have so much fun. But at the same time, uh, Tolkien, 
Lord of the Rings. He was in yes. one of the wars. And if we watch his movie that was based on his reality, he's seen the dragons during the war. So that's how he came up with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because he was in World War I. Mm -hmm. So that he makes was, was, perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. So, and then my third uh, genre that I write in is science fiction, which I haven't really been doing a whole lot of science fiction writing. But I did write my Pegasus, A Journey to New Eden, would take place in now 20, in around 2050. Okay. So not too far from now. I wrote it back in the 80s. Okay. And during that time, I predicted the fall of the Soviet Union, that it collapses under its mm -hmm. own uh, financial weight, so to speak, and the rise of international corporations being more powerful than governments which we have now, we have people like Amazon and Walmart and yes. that kind of like control everything, control the world economy and the world thing. You can't do something against China because uh, Walmart needs China mm -hmm. to keep. So we can't really take too hard a stand against China because Walmart right. won't let you. Right. It, yeah. Everyone thinks it's all politics. Well, it's not all politics. It's capitalism as a whole. Yes. If you and go you have, at, yeah. you look at your corporations, your corporations actually own the capitalism. So that tells you where they can insert politics or where they can't. Yep, exactly. And you look at places like Russia, which is supposed to be communist and all that kind of stuff, but what are they doing? Mm -hmm. They're very capitalistic. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. You look at China, they're very capitalistic. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not really so much uh, a government of uh, ideals that people used to have, which was communism, uh, capitalism, democracy, these type of things. Now a lot of things are driven by the international dollar yeah. and money. And it always has been, really, if you kind of think about it. Really, it has. We don't talk about it, but everything's always controlled by money. Who has the most money is who controls everything. Yep. I mean, back in the... 19th century, um, going further back, what was the driving force of colonialism? Mm -hmm. Grabbing territory, getting product, shipping it around the world. Yep. And product could be almost anything or anyone. Exactly. It's all about the dollar. Yes. It doesn't matter what we call a dollar because it, it has changed names so many times depending on which country, which era, and everything else, but it's all about the the dollar. Yes. And so in Pegasus, they're moving off onto a new world. Pegasus is the first true uh, light ship. It travels at the speed of light. And they're going to go to the Alpha Centauri system, which is four light years away. Okay. And they're going to settle on a planet that is at least habitable. They don't know what's there yet, but okay. they at least know it's habitable. And what they do is they start carving up the earth and taking big chunks of it and putting it inside this ship. Ooh. Now people, I, yeah, it's one of those type of things. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, <laughs> Let, let's not play with science too much. <laughs> but at the same time, everything that's going on, if we have China going with breeding humans with animals right now and letting them live for whatever. Have we not watched enough sci-fi to know 
why that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And like in the book, we have the return of slavery in indentured servitude. Okay. So people work for the corporations. They have uh, colonies in space around the earth mm-hmm. and they have colonies in deeper space and things like that. But you work for the company. You become a company man and the company owns you. So it's not like you're being owned by a single person anymore. You're now owned by the company. They tell you where to go, how to live, what to do, and you work your entire life or whatever for these different companies, for different type of things. Mm -hmm. So Zach and Zuri are working for the USI, the the United States Industries. Okay. They're the one who built Pegasus. Okay. And they're going to ship it off to the, the New Eden, which is what they call the, the planet they're going to go to. Mm-hmm. And it's a one-way, four-year trip. So they're going to go colonize this planet. And the idea is, if it works out well, they'll build another ship, and they'll ship another bunch of people off. Oh. But the people who get to New Eden first will have a part of that planet. They'll own part of that planet. Okay. But the rest of the planet will be owned by USI. And so they're going to then start selling it off. So if everything works out well, they're going to have a whole planet to sell. Oh, how wonderful. And, yeah. And of course, things go awry. <laughs> uh, of course, you can't have just a simple, hey, point A, point B, point C. No, it doesn't get that way. You have to have the messy in there. <laughs> yeah. Could, can you guess what the messy might be? Uh, another war? Ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just before they launch the ship, someone starts a nuclear war. Of course. So that they can kind of like hijack this ship. <laughs> and so they launch this ship, and the only two people on the ship at the time they launch it is Zach and Zuri. Zach is an indentured worker, son of a Baptist minister, mm-hmm. and part army guy, part this, part that. Yeah. And his fiance, Zuri, is the daughter of an African diplomat who was assassinated. Now, the African nations have joined together, kicked out all the colonists, let's call them that, okay. <laughs> for, for lack of a better word, being okay. uh, political correct, we'll call mm-hmm. them colonists. So yeah. they kicked out all the colonists and they're going to unite Africa. So it's the USA, the United States of Africa. Okay. And this is before the fall of apartheid that I wrote this. Okay. So the idea was that all the African nations are going to get together and they're going to make one Africa. And they're going to be self-ruled and, you know, all the kind. But it doesn't work out, of course. No. Because they're not all one people. They're no... Nobody has one good idea for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so there's fighting going on, this and that going on, how to split up the land, who gets what, what they're going to do with this. And her father winds up being assassinated. Of course, because Which, that makes yeah. a good story, right? Yep. And it elevates her in the statues of everybody else because here she is, the daughter of an assassinated diplomat. Um, so now she, yeah. well, she's not a martyr, but she's, yeah, I can see how that would work. Yeah. So she's the face of Africa. She's the 
important person and everything. She's Cleopatra. And, let's put it that yes. way. <laughs> so her and so her and Jeremy, I'm not Jeremy, her and Zach are mm -hmm. on the ship uh just before the ship is going to launch. They, they have one last night before everybody else comes on board and things mm -hmm. like that. And like I said, Jeremy's just an indentured worker. So yeah. he knows when the ship is launched, he's gonna be pretty much put to servitude. Right. Yeah. So as they get ready for this thing, war breaks out. They have to launch the ship in order to keep it from being destroyed. Mm -hmm. And they launch the ship with only these two people on board. On your phone. Yes. Because nothing can go wrong there with just yes. two people on board. And it's a psychological dystopian roller coaster ride. Because imagine if you were the only two people left, as far as you know, in yeah. of humanity. Yeah, that, and you're going to a planet where no one else lives. Yeah. And yeah, it's not not really what they signed up for. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but where can our listeners and viewers find you? Okay. You can go to rockhillpublishing.com and you can find my books there. You can, of course, find them on Amazon, the aforementioned Amazon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, another place where you can buy uh, books, e-books, or print books. They're in print, too. Uh, I have a website, jlhill-books.com. I think it's the website. <laughs> I'm on Facebook and everything else, too. Awesome. It was wonderful talking to you about all your series because they're Thank all... You. Very intricate and very dark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I do tend to lean to the dark side. <laughs> but you know what? Those are the best stories. <laughs> they really are. Because we can get into that nitty gritty, the wars and everything. And they're fun to just have the imagination, imagination put there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I sometimes like the heroes that are not, you know, mm -hmm. the guys that you think will be here or the guys that you see or the people that you see as heroes mm -hmm. are, all right, they're not really good people, mm -hmm. but they are good to each other and they are good in this situation. They might be criminals in mm -hmm. some cases, but they have an honor system and they live up to that honor system. Yes, they do. Yes. Even the bad guys have an honor system somewhere, at least yes. in stories, not so much in... Reality not so anymore. much in real life, no. <laughs> no, but, they used to, but not yeah. no more. But as they used to say, the Pirates Code was, you know, an honor system mm -hmm. uh, that came out of the military um, um, indentured serv mm -hmm. servitude mm -hmm. to the queen and to the crown and all. And they were treated horribly, which is why they became pirates or because yeah. they were at one point working for the crown and then that when the crown decided they didn't need them anymore they just cut them loose yeah. and this is what they did for the crown they was out raiding other ships so hey they hey, continued on it worked <laughs> now we just do it for ourselves right yeah now we don't have to give the money back to the to the king or the queen mm -hmm. we can keep all of it before they had to give some of it back now they get to keep it all yep so so it was wonderful talking to you and happy reading everyone thank you very much and it was a pleasure talking to you have and a wonderful day thank you